Hello, my name is Janice B. Gordon. This is Scale Your Sales Podcast. Welcome to the Scale Your Sales Podcast, listed number nine of 42 best podcasts for every sales professional in 2021. I am Janice B. Gordon, the customer growth expert, recommended by LinkedIn as one of 15 innovative sales influencers to follow in 2021. In this episode of Scale Your Sales podcast, I speak to a managing director of a company that he has led for over 31 years. So we start at the source, how, how he began, and talked about the recent awards the company has achieved, national awards as the best company. So there's a lot in between that. How did that come about? Well, first we talked about how they bring on their sales team to be relationship builders and also uh, talked about the culture within the organization, how they dealt with uh, their, their customers during COVID and how this really led into being a company that uh, demonstrates the culture of fairness. This is a really interesting conversation and a very interesting character as well. There's a lot for founders and CEOs to learn from this guest. My next guest is founder and MD of Cybersecurity Ramshack, the secure choice. He is also PSA Regional President of Southeast and the UK Ambassador of Cybersecurity for the Institute of Directors. He sits on the advisory board of the Cyber Resilience Centre in the Southeast and is a leadership fellow at Windsor Castle. Welcome to Scale Your Sales podcast, Rob May. Thank you. It's great to be here, Janice. Well, it's it's lovely. I know we've been uh, friends for a while now. You're president of PSA, Professional Speaking Association Southeast. And I think we met when I was president. I can't remember how many years ago. Um, so we've been around the speaking world, business world um, for a while. And it's it's an absolute pleasure to finally get you on because I've been trying for a while now, haven't I, Rob? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so, Rob, I would like to go way back to uh, nineteen ninety-two. This is just prior to you starting Ramshack, and we're going to talk a lot about that. But I'm really interested in you. What was your life like at that time? What were you thinking of? What brought you to the point where you were about to to start the company? So. Um... Yeah, interesting time. And, and 1992 is a very long time ago. Um, <laughs> so I'd started my career really in, in corporate life. I, I was working for a uh, a large corporate that was predominantly owned by IBM. And we'd gone through that transition. I, I joined a business that was sort of 80 people and then shortly after they were bought and we became huge and then nine months later we were bought again and then all of a sudden I found myself in this company that was about 300,000 employees worldwide and I realized at that point that corporate life was just very very 
frustrating. You know, it was I I see problems, but I don't see them in a negative way. I, I see things where I think that doesn't make sense to me. If it was me, I would do it like this. Yeah. And in the first two iterations of the business that I had joined, that was loved. And I would say, that doesn't make sense. If it was me, I'd do it like this or like this. And more often than not, people would go, oh, yes, you're right. In the final iteration of the business, every time I said that, I got told to shut up and get back in my box. And I just thought, this is just crazy. I can't can't live like that. And, um, yeah, I I remember describing it, actually, to uh, my family as feeling like golden handcuffs because I was in a scenario where I'd got a brilliant job paying a ridiculous amount of money. It really was a ridiculous amount of money. And um, I thought, I can't go anywhere else Mm -hmm. because no one else is going to pay me that. And then I'd had enough, actually. I, I just, I stopped. In fact, I remember pulling over, driving into London one morning and just pulling over and thought, I just can't do it. And uh, and I was and I resigned and going out on my own. That was okay. You know, I I could I could make the move and uh, and free those those metaphorical golden handcuffs. That must have been quite a difficult. You must have really have come to your end at that point because you know if you were paid a ridiculous amount of money, what was your your position at that time? So I'd I had become so I'd gone through I'm technical by by background and I'd gone through my technical training and then someone noticed that actually I was good at selling and I'd ended up my role was looking after their UK dealer channel so I had these partners all around the country and it was my job to help them sell our software at the time and i was i was technical and every sale that they did needed technical advice so i i was helping them do their sale and um yeah so that that was the role so it was sort of partnership management and technical sales really mm. so then when you decided i've had enough i need to go it alone what was the next step so it was I was I was really I was really blessed. I decided to resign. I'd got my letter of resignation, and on the day that I I went in to resign, there was an announcement that there were going to be some redundancies within the business. And when I went and saw the CEO, I basically offered myself for uh, redundancy, and the initial response was no. There's only you that does what you do. There's no way we can let you go. Um, but after after various conversation, um, it turned around that he said, well, why don't you? Why, why don't you leave, actually, and set up doing a, a networking, you know, technical business, which was incredible because that was my plan. <laughs> what was incredible about it was that my contract precluded me from dealing with any of my contacts. And what he said was, look, we're talking about possibly pulling out of that area of the industry. Why don't you go off and set up a a business that does it? And if you do that, I will allow you to take all your contacts. So they rewrote my contract. Uh, I left. 
uh, we had a company chauffeur at the time who drove me home. I never went back, never, never got to say goodbye to anybody. Mm. And the next morning I phoned up all the partners and said, I'm out on my own now. Uh, but still want to work with you with the full blessing of, you know, the mothership. Um, and that was the Wednesday. And by the Friday, I'd made my first sale and and the business was launched. Wow, that's that's a, a luxury story, really. Absolutely. You couldn't have asked for any better, right? No. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Okay, so now let's fast forward and tell me about the recent award, because, you know, in 31 years to achieve what you have now. So tell me about how that all came about. So this is the uh, Best Company to Work For Awards, and we've we've been entering those awards for a number of years. What what I love about the awards, it, it started, it used to be the Sunday Times mm-hmm. Best Companies, and it, it it has evolved into into the Best Companies. And what I love about it, and the reason that we do it actually is not it's not about vanity. It's not about having another award on on the shelf. It's the science that goes into it. it it's the the in depth questioning of every single member of staff, and they they rank and and report and study on so many different elements of of the business. So this last round um, that we did, it was about eighty eighty questions, and. I remember talking to them uh, after the results came out and you will have seen, you know, I, I was up in uh, Media City and I was interviewed by by Dan Walker. And we, we won the number one company to, to work for. And um, when I was interviewed, they said one of the areas that they were measuring was about fairness. And there was a whole whole series of questions and really it was about well what was the company's response to the cost of living and 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 did it's about employee satisfaction at the end of the day you know the the best company to work for it's all about well as an employee what does it what does it feel like and one of the things that they said was most companies because they measure every quarter and they said most companies in that last quarter had dropped and we had gone a long way the other way. And um, no, it was fantastic. So we 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 ended up with three awards. We were in the uh, we were number three in terms of best company to work for in the southeast. Uh, we were number five in terms of best mid-sized company in the whole of the UK. And we were number one best company in the whole of the UK in terms of uh, business services, which was, it was just incredible. And the, that, that whole day and the, the, you know, the, the TV studio experience and all the rest of it was, was, it was great. It was great to be involved with. I mean, that's fantastic that uh, during t- times of uh, when the, w- individuals are feeling the real crunch that you're going the opposite way. So how did that come about? How how are you enabling your um your employees, your team to have a, a a better life rather than to really feel the crunch? Yeah, that's really interesting because I don't know that it's possible to do that for everybody. And as I say, the interesting thing for me was their measure was about fairness. 
because in an ideal world, you know, you would do, you would, as as the cost of living increased and costs got more and more, you would give people more and more money. But you can't, you can't do that, can you? And the, we had an interesting discussion actually. And as much as the press talk about the cost of living, but what they don't talk about is the cost of trading, and the cost of trading's got more and more difficult. And that that's never that's never a commentary. You know, if you think all the costs have gone up. And then salaries have gone up. We we did a number of things actually. When when we started last year, with the whole cost of living as as a background, we did we did a number of things. The first thing we did was we went out to market to sanity check the salaries that we were paying people in different positions. And in in most cases, we were absolutely fine. You know, we're we're in Surrey, but we have to counter the, you know, we're so close to to London. In fact, it, it's quicker for me to get into London living in Surrey than it is to get into the office, which isn't very far away. Um, but so we have to look at London pricing and, and so on. And, and we went out and said, OK, so what's the market playing? If we take each of our job areas and I think we've got something like 32 different job titles now, um, what are we paying? And in most cases, that was fine. But in one particular department, it wasn't. We were we were below what the market was paying. So the first thing we did was we levelled up there and we said, look, you guys, should all we be, be being paid this? So we did pay increases for 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 that team because at that same time, we were facing or the market was facing the so-called great resignation headhunters were you know rampant and we thought well we don't want to be losing people we're we're really good at keeping people and we wanted to continue doing that because it's important when it comes to to customer service so first of all we leveled up um in some departments then we looked at well what do we do in terms of pay increases and we reacted quite quickly, I think. But one of the things that we were conscious of was if you just do a straightforward percentage pay increase, people who are earning the highest banding salaries get a lot more than people who are lower down in their, you know, earlier on in their in their careers so what what we ended up doing quite early on last year was first of all we'd leveled up then we gave everybody a five percent increase but then we also gave everyone cost of living bonuses and what that meant was and that cost of living bonus felt like an awful lot more for people on the lower bandings so they ended up with sort of an 11 percent pay rise Whereas for someone on a on the top salary banding, you know, they might be getting a five hundred pound cost of living bonus, which everyone appreciated, but it wasn't that it wasn't the same. The people who really needed it most got it. And look, if you'd got if you'd got a magic money pot, you would give you would give even more away, wouldn't you? But that that was our approach. And we just spoke about it as we always do and told everyone what we were doing and what our rationale is. And we're just always open and driven by the guiding principle of, are we doing the right thing? I love that. I love that. So talking about, 
are we doing the right thing? Um, I'd really love you to share what happened during COVID when you decided you're not losing any of your customers, because I think this is very much plays into what we've just talked about, fairness and the values of the organisation. Yes, I mean, they were they were such difficult times, weren't they? And they were, they were unprecedented times. And we had taken the approach when when the government announced that there was going to be lockdown. Uh, firstly, we took the approach that as far as our people were concerned, whatever happened, we were going to keep everybody employed. You know, we didn't we didn't look at furloughing or, or redundancies or whatever, where a lot of a lot of our competitors definitely, definitely did. Um so we that was with our people, but we then started to have conversations with customers who were clearly hurting. You know, different uh, industries were hit harder than harder than others. I mean, leisure and so on was absolutely caned, wasn't it? And as clients came to us, we realised we were having conversations where people were saying, "Look, we've had to furlough however many staff." Um, and we just need to we just need to cancel the contracts. We've got to save money wherever we can. And we just said, look, don't don't cancel our contract. You need us. You need our support, and and we will support you. And um, you know, and, and we came to we came to agreements with those clients who needed help, and we said we will support you through this difficult time and just reviewed it on a sort of a three month three monthly basis and and the beauty of that and it's interesting isn't it because we were doing it at the time because we thought it was the right thing and we thought people people were in trouble and and needed help the beauty of it is a we didn't lose any clients um and also i think it earned loyalty because as soon as they could afford to pay what they should be paying again, they came back and said, thank you for your support. Uh, thank you for being with us on the journey. And and now we we can bounce back and it, it's business as usual. So and, it is. I mean, it, and I would imagine that some people, so the long-term value, they're not just going back to where they were, they're actually going back with so much more loyalty and almost reciprocity in that they'll do so much more for you um so you couldn't really that you know there isn't you can't put a, a figure on what that is worth in terms of goodwill that you have earned over that period of time no absolutely and it, it's you know it wasn't a strategy to say well let's let's do this and then that will be the upside further down the road. We weren't looking at that at the time. It was that filter of let's do the right thing and let, let's help people, let's help people out. And I think time and time again, when you do the right thing, good things, good things happen. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and in your background, Ramshack, the secure choice, you know, so it's it's also saying a lot about your brand values as well doing the right thing you you've also mentioned fairness all of these words keep coming again and again and the fact that you're keeping your your employees and you're winning awards on it and it just seems that 
when you do the right thing, there's so many other more valuable um, areas that you kind of gain credence um, with. And, and I think that's a good testament. I mean, what is business about, really? It's not not really about profit. It's about investing in um, society. Uh, uh, you know, it's a it's a means to represent uh, the, the people within your, your business. And so it's got to be about values, really. You've got to lead with that. Yeah, I agree. And if you do those things, then you do make profit. And obviously, that's good. And you want to run a business that that is profitable. But it's so much nicer to drive that by by doing the right thing. And, and our, our tag that you, that you mentioned, so, you know, when we said it's it's ramsack the secure choice, that's got a number of meanings. You know, it's ramsack the secure choice because we're a cybersecurity based business, but it's also the secure choice because if you choose us over any other business, it's the right choice. Yeah. You know, if you're, if you're looking at a tender document and it's us against two other two other businesses, there's that subliminal message of actually Ramsack are the secure choice. And that's that's why we should that's why we should go with them. And I read it very much that we're there for you. Yes. So I'd love to talk about um, why you say that your sales team is your relationship team. Yes, that's really interesting as well. So we've and lots of people, lots of people have questioned me over over the years in terms of we don't have commission based salespeople. We have a team of uh, people, and we put together a, a team for each customer. We have a team of people who manage the relationship, and there are there are different levels of of people within that so some are very very technical um uh, sort of solution architects in terms of designing what the solution is but for us it's about taking customer on a journey and making sure that we understand what their needs are and that we use technology um sensibly and securely to to deliver that and they're led by technical people again one of our one of our things is we are technical people but we don't talk like technical people we talk so that you can actually understand um and just make sure you know the number of times you see a tender and when you look at the tender assuming you can actually have a conversation with the customer which sometimes you can't because sometimes they're just stuck in the mindset that we're going to a tender process and you need to answer the answer the tender process. Um, that's not in anybody's in anybody's favour. You want to be able to have a conversation because actually, so often people people can achieve a chunk of what they're trying to achieve with what they've already got if they just get the right advice. And um, so the fact that we're led by relationship their job is to advise the client on what's right for them and sure you know we are a business and we do sell stuff we sell um we sell stuff to our clients but we sell when it's right to and 
what that does is it just buys trust and longevity of relationship. We've got we've got clients who have just been with us for for most of our Ramsack journey because they know that they're getting the the right advice. And um, now that doesn't mean that if you and we will buy our products and we will source our products from the, the most reputable suppliers with good backup and, and all the rest of it. Um, and customers value that. You know, if you've got someone who is literally going to shop around and always try to drive to get the very, very cheapest price possible, we all know that whatever you're buying, if you look hard enough online, you're going to find a cheaper price. Um, and that's that's not where that's not where successful companies actually want to operate is it but so for us it's look come to us we'll give you the right advice and we'll tell you when it's the right time to do to do things and and we'll support you and make sure that everything is secure by design and that relationship model for us just just works and the other thing is those relationship teams sure you know we have we have targets we have costs to to meet we're you know we've got we've got 100 people to pay every month so the, the, there are there are costs to cover but they have team targets and we know that we meet those team targets when when we're doing when we're doing the right thing i think it's a really interesting choice and uh, and i think that where you are is where a lot of the sales industry will need to go um being in a very competitive environment and uh, understanding that customers want more consultation than sales. And uh, in which case you need to incentivize the team in order to do that. And the commission-based structure doesn't always work in, you know, it's uh, it's uh, rewarding habits that you don't necessarily want and isn't in the benefit of, of the customer. So do you find that it's difficult to secure the uh sales relationship a player people into your organization not offering that com- traditional sales commission base back i think it's not difficult to secure them it is difficult to recruit them and the reality is most of those people are grown from within i mean we're very specific about who who we recruit in terms of you know we interview thousands of people each year that technically could do could do the job but they've got to be a certain type of person to be to be a ramsack person and i think if we get the person fit right and that's difficult as well because there's no there's no cookie cutter mold to say this is what a Ramsack person is. You know, the, the team is is very, very different and everybody brings everybody brings something else to the party. And I, I'm a, a huge believer in in diversity. Um from the perspective actually of diversity of thought. Actually, in my industry, it's very difficult to be balanced in terms of um if you look at diversity in terms of male and female, for example, that mm. we just don't get enough. We don't get enough people um, applying. 
but having that diversity of backgrounds and um you know upbringings and and so on just brings different thinking and and to me if people focus more on diversity of thought and looked at that as the way to look at diversity then then people end up with with much stronger teams what you don't want is an echo chamber you know you don't want to recruit i don't want to recruit you know lots of versions of me um because then everyone thinks like me yeah yeah i get that i get that so we talked about a lot about the team the company and and the culture and I know that you're constantly bringing on new products. So talk to me about the launch of your, your next new innovation. So we've, we've recently, Secure Plus is our is our latest product offering. It's it's brilliant and I'm you know, I love it and I love that in in fact it's been a frustrating journey for me. It should have launched a couple of years ago and it got derailed a little bit by covid in our research and development it needed work with clients it needed us to be on client sites and that didn't happen because of covid so it was frustrating that it was a couple of years late to market really but we've we've got there and um it's a it's a cybersecurity proactive monitoring service we're we're monitoring everything that's going on in our in our clients and there are so many things that are happening all the time and we use artificial intelligence and managed learning to filter this stuff so for an average customer we might be looking literally at a million different things that happen on their it in a month but out of that million things we will we will filter out to on average be about 150 things that we really investigate and then we respond to that so that that might be you know things like impossible logons so you've just spent the day in the office in london and yet half an hour later you're trying to connect to your cloud account from russia well that's impossible because we know that you've just spent the day in London and you can't be in Russia in half an hour. That would trigger for us and then we would we would investigate and and it's it's fantastic and it's going down so well. And the people that we needed to recruit to develop this and to service this have been with us on on that journey. And and now we've got well, clients are just signing up and it, it's just it's it's wonderful and i think i think also as well having done this for such a long time um you know 31 years down the line to still be really innovating and coming up with with new products and new services that that clients clearly want is is really exciting and it's really rewarding and what's nice is to see 31 years down the line, you you know, coming from a technical background, really understanding the sales and building relationship, that you're still excited. That's what's great to see. You're still excited about this as, as well. Yeah, and I still love it every yeah. single day. Yeah. And I think, I, I always say this to, to start, because I'm still involved in everybody's induction 
program you know i sit down with everybody as part of that and i always say for me what's always been important is growth but growth by every measure but the the most important measure is personal growth and i think everybody wants to feel that and so long as you do you know people talk about how younger generations don't stay in their job long you know and you see them moving from company to company we don't experience that but i think we don't experience it because we give everybody such great personal growth and myself included you know my job is different every single year and i'm learning and i'm constantly constantly training and and therefore it's still fun i think you're going to get a lot more applications people listening to this <laughs> <laughs> so so let me um give you a wrap-up questions because i'm keen to to hear about who is your hero or shiro uh it would be a hero and it would be uh satya nadell who um um satya nadella um who for me the task that he'd got when he when he took over as ceo of, of microsoft uh following you know both bill gates and steve Ballmer, he 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 did such an amazing job and he cares so much about people i mean i guess i guess maybe maybe that's why i i link with him in terms of i think i share a lot of his his thinking but he cares about the people and he he cares about why and why is the tech, you know, why are we doing this with technology? And is there a better way? Is there a better way for people? Is there a better way for society and for the environment? And I I just think what he did to turn to turn Microsoft around, really. And I remember being at an industry event and someone stood up and went, Crikey, Microsoft's cool again. And I thought, yeah, no, it, it really is. But he drove that. Mm. And um, yes, I love that. And I just, I find him inspirational. Yeah, yeah. So are you cool to your kids? <laughs> of course not. <laughs> <laughs> One day. One yeah. day. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, yes. I'd love to say yes, but uh, no, if you ask either of them. One what? day you will be, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> How can listeners get hold of you? Okay, so I have I have two uh, profiles. So my corporate world is ramsac.com, R-A-M-S-A-C, and my speaker world is thoughtprovoked.co.uk, and I'm Rob May on LinkedIn. Excellent. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. There's a lot we didn't cover, and we I know whenever we meet, we have these conversations that go on for hours, so... I'm I'm really happy that you told us, you know, where you came from and really kind of showed your, your values and character that comes through in, in the organisation. So thank you so much for being a guest on Scale Yourselves podcast. Thank you, Janice. Thanks, Rob. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Scale Yourselves podcast. If you like this discussion, feel free to listen to other episodes or watch the caption show on YouTube and subscribe to future episodes.
I would really appreciate it if you would leave a positive review on iTunes. Thank you.